better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone and welcome to The Real Science Cast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kidden Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. <laughs> Kenneth, does your you, hat say fuck? You started yeah, it. it. Does. <laughs> I just realized that we've been sitting here for an hour and your hat just has the word fuck in cursive. <laughs> it does. I love this hat very much. I went uh, over Thanksgiving weekend with my beautiful wife into a Spencer's for the first time in like maybe nine years. Wow. And wow. They had what they referred to as dad hats on sale to for $20. I mean, that's not a dad hat. That's a Canon hat. Whenever we first logged on today, I saw that. I was laughing my ass off because that's the funniest thing I've seen all day. For the listeners, my hat not only says fuck and cursive on it, but it is a beautiful multicolored scene of flowers. Um, it really is beautiful. It's, it's. I can't believe it took me forty-five minutes to notice that your hat said "fuck" on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's. I don't know. I. <laughs> it's very understated. I think. I think it's. No, it's not. I think it's because. It's very, very subtle, Kenan. Uh-huh. I think it's because just growing up in like I don't know the real world, I don't normally you know if there's a hat that I don't have a good angle of sight on the text, I just assume it says anything else besides fuck. Yeah, basically, like eat at Joe's or go Bucks, go Bucks. Well, if you see if <laughs> you see shit. text on a hat from a distance, yes, rankings of assumptions of things that they say, S- sports teams okay. make America great again. I'm going to say, hold on, dumb hold on. Things. That has okay. a lot to do with color. If it's a red hat, chances are it's either a baseball hat or it's a Make America Great Again hat. Or a parody of Make America Great Again hat. Right, like Make America Gay Again or yeah. Make America Not Racist Again for the first time. Or Make yeah. Kazakhstan Great Again or something like that. <laughs> yes. you know? yeah. Written in Russian. Yeah. <laughs> right. But if you see We're, a hat with flowers on it, you bet your fucking butt that it says fuck on it. It's gonna say fuck on it. Yeah. That, or I would assume that it's like for like raising breast cancer awareness, or maybe like <laughs> so too ad- very that would be different. a pink hat. Or advertising like a nursing home, maybe. Marigold's wow. home for the elderly. Actually, the word fuck perfectly describes one of those. Nursing homes? <laughs> because that's all they're doing in there, Oh my dude. god, the okay. Highest, no. The highest rate. The no. highest rate of sexually transmitted tra- uh, infections is among the elderly. That's because people share underwear, Pace. Meemaw's not. That's not. Meemaw's it. That's, not no. freaking down in there. I do want to say that when you pitch this breast cancer dichotomy of hats, I pictured like everybody lining up for a 5K and them turning around towards the camera and you see like everybody's hat has like <laughs> the pink ribbon on the front and you're, you turn around and it just says fuck <laughs> across the top. <laughs> Just like a nice, cool. All right, this guy's here. He's he doesn't like breast cancer. A <laughs> this lot. guy fucks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make my own hats now for each of these like awareness things, and I'm gonna do a run for breast cancer. But I'm gonna have it instead of like like you said, I'm gonna make a hat that just says breast cancer can suck my dick. <laughs> That's oh a great God. hat. Should I? We should before we get into the movie that we watched. I'm gonna just go ahead and do the disclaimers because I feel like we've really met just. Okay, wait. Before, oh. Right before you do them, I just want to say for everybody, this is the real science cast. I know we did talk about fuck and breast cancer for a long time, but we do watch movies and we pick apart the science. We just, do do that. Yeah, that is the thing that I did say with my mouth and you my. You did. Good hat. I know you said it. I just wanted to restate because we really fucking hit the fuck hat hard. I just it caught me so off guard. I wasn't ready. What if this is someone's first episode? Give them the disclaimers. Then, do it. What are you? Okay. What are you doing? Don't listen to this one. Go back. Yeah, go listen, back. Listen to all. Listen of them. to Interstellar. It's our best one. Just no, listen no, no. To listen one. to all of them. They're great. All yes, of them. Yes, they're very good. Um, <laughs> we have some disclaimers, and that is that we are three doctors mm-hmm. of philosophy, mm-hmm. um, not medical doctors. 
not medical doctors, you know, nothing that nothing clinical goes on inside these brains. Mm-mm. Um, we are three doctors of philosophy who are going to really break down some good science and and minutia words for you that you might not understand, but we don't either, so it's okay. Um, and during this process, we also might say some bad words. And these bad words are not Fuck for shit. babies. They're not for babies or tweens. Your tweens can't say my... If your tweens say this, staple their mouths shut. I want to stop you right here real okay. quick. Sean, I know you usually stop pace and you berate him. Mm-hmm. But I just want to point out... So, listeners, we had a debate uh, since the last time that we recorded our last episode. We watched Armageddon. It was pretty good. It was a fun episode. The movie's fucking terrible, but you should listen to it. Um <laughs> We debated about recording times and when we should watch movies. So typically, to give you a little peek behind the curtain, uh, we watch the movie and then we immediately talk about the science in that film uh, all in the same night. Um, My poor, sweet co-hosts said that they had a little bit of trouble processing information and turning that into funny jokes uh, after 9 o'clock. So we said, all right, well, we'll just watch it throughout the week whenever we can and then push up recording to like 7 o'clock. Now, to be fair... Sean's internet dropped out, took big shit, and he had to start it back up again. But Michael Pace especially said, that's why I always sound so inco- incoherent during the disclaimers, <laughs> is because I'm very tired. Well, it's goddamn 8 o'clock, Michael Pace. We kicked up the recording for you. You do understand that I, that I have a, a status that I have to maintain in regards to the quality of the disclaimers. Oh, as Not a big as, dumb dummy? Yeah. <laughs> a big goofus. No, it's uh, that they're each going to yield... A very fun rambling of words that eventually it gets to the point where I don't know what I'm talking about and you guys have to stop me. That's how we do it. That's how the episode goes. Pace, you just told them that we may curse after we said fuck about 20 times. <laughs> yep. That's that's the point of the... Do you not understand the sarcasm of, of what I'm trying to create here, Sean? Before you gave our disclaimers, I told breast cancer to suck my dick. Yes, that's the point. Pace, That's you're, the su- point of the you're supposed to be afterward. you're supposed to be our lawyer in this situation. If you bumble <laughs> through the disclaimer, then like, what sort of legal recourse do we have to fall back yes. on when people are like, this man showed up to a five k with a hat that said, "I fucking suck my dick, breast cancer." Make America fuck again. <laughs> you need like, we need to be like. Listen, our legal experts have warned us and warned you, the public, that this sort of thing happens hereafter, ergo, move to strike. Hearsay, hearsay, you know? Pro bono. Pro bono. Habeas corpus. If we ever have to pay legal fees, we're, we're done. We're fucking I will, broke. I will, I will pay them. Oh, okay. 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 All, all right. right. That is I a verbal contract, as all you recorded. lawyer folk know. I'm signing nothing, but I'm just trying to get you guys off my back. So let's do the podcast. Okay. Fine. So, All right. What movie did we watch this week, my boys? We watched a movie called Inside Out. And this movie was suggested to us by a uh, friend of the podcast, Bart Bartholomew Bartstruid. And he sent us this uh, suggestion because he is a Patreon. He's a patron. He's a patron on our Patreon. We moved the time up, and now I can't talk. <laughs> this is the second time that we've talked. Called people Patreon. <laughs> He's our Patronus. Uh, so because he sent this in, um, we watched it. And now we're going to talk about all of the science in the children's movie uh, Inside Out. So thank you very much, Bart. We really, really appreciate you giving us just like a, a really solid list of science-based movies it for us good. to pick from. It was good. It's a good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pe- people, really, people really always say to us, they're like, we need more heavy science films like inside out and we're that's like right. you know we're <laughs> here to right. satisfy that's what we're here for that's what we do this movie has a pretty fun cast in it uh in case you're unfamiliar with the film they basically cast every emotion so we have amy poehler uh we have bill Hader, we have lewis black wait you have to tell uh, us which emotion each of those people so are. lewis who do you think lewis black is Kenan? i'm gonna say dick jokes fear that's an emotion right <laughs> uh, yeah, Lewis alcoholism. Is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. Yes, Lewis Black is anger. Yes, uh, Amy Poehler is joy. That makes Bill sense. Bill Hader is fear. Um, the oh, I, I should have brought up the IMDb page. You did. Oh wow, I thought you were reading this off the IMDb page. 
Through the magic of recording, I will transport your voice Thank forward you. in time so it sounds like you already had it pulled up. Wait, Kenan, you can do that? Yep. So if I just say, like, star wipe, can you do, like, an audio star wipe? Yeah, I will. Do you want me to do an audio star wipe? Yeah. Smash cut. Bam. Beedly beedly beep. Sadness was played by <laughs> Phyllis Smith, and uh, we also have Richard Kind as Bing Bong, uh, who was a great... A Bing great bong. role in the film. All right, and then we kind. have uh, Mindy Kling as discussed. Oh, that makes a lot of sense too, actually. Yeah, I mean they they cast the shit out of this film. They cast this film so much it's might as well be a fishing competition. Sorry, go ahead and talk. I all don't right, have any good right. jokes tonight. <laughs> That's a real solid fishing joke there, Kevin. Why don't we cast our lines into this? Uh, mo- <laughs> well, fuck. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why don't we noodle our fingies down into this movie mm. and see what we can fish up? Okay. That's really Let's, gross. So, Kenan, you did the plot last time. Yes. So, this time, Pace and I are going to roll our D20s, and whoever yes. has the lowest number is going to do the plot. Unless, Correct. of course, you roll a someone, someone cheats. Or one. I'm ready. All right. Ready, Pace? Yep. Oh. I rolled a four. I got a nine. Looks like Pace is I'm doing it. it. Pace I'm doing is doing it. it. Pace That's is doing it. Yeah, yeah, good. All right, yeah. good. Pace. Weird how Sean always rolls a low number. Uh, isn't it, though? Strange. Mm. Um, okay. This movie <sighs> is a good one. It's Disney Pixar film. Uh, mm-hmm. And we basically come into the film and uh, we see it's completely animated. Well, the whole thing's animated, of course, but... Um, we see these kind of like uh, pixie biological looking beings. I'm going to do so good at this. <laughs> oh my God. Um, You're already doing a great job. Keep it up. I know. I know. Uh, and what they're essentially describing here is uh, like like a network. And what they're showing is like a network that we learn later on is the inside of a little girl named Riley's brain. Um, and inside this girl Riley's brain, the first like little bit of the movie is describing how her brain works. And uh, we have like headquarters inside the brain. Uh, and we learn that each of her like kind of fundamental emotions, um, joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger are mm-hmm. personified by these five little humanoid beings, essentially. Uh, they're living inside her head. They can see what she sees. Uh, they run her for all intents and purposes. And her purposes. And so we also notice that inside her brain, there are these islands. And these islands represent certain aspects of her personality. Like Jimmy uh, Buffett. That's right. That's right. There's land shark at every single island, no matter how much it sucks. And so each island, for example, there's like Hockey Island. She plays. She loves hockey. They live in Minnesota. She loves to play hockey. There's like there's Family Island because she loves her family and Friendship Island because she loves her friends. All these islands aspects are aspects of Riley's personality. And so the movie kind of like starts off with Riley being a very happy girl. Uh, and she has all these useful uh, memories, which are called core memories. And inside of her brain, these core memories are what source each of these uh, these islands. Like there's a memory of her playing hockey that uh, powers Hockey Island and a friendship one for Friendship Island, etc. This all goes to the shitter whenever her family has to move to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, because who would want to live in San Francisco? It's way too expensive. Wow. wow. Um, and the cost of living is way, high, way too high. You can't even afford an apartment. And <laughs> That's so they why Riley's say, so upset. She's like, the cost of living here, <laughs> mom why, and dad, is just crazy. That's, that's why she's a millennial and is upset about the, the high cost of real estate. Um, mm-hmm. She's actually a conservative uh, and is super, super not into the, the way that uh, – California handles its politics, so she's like, "Oh God, that's got to be it. Why gotta are we be here?" It. Yeah, th- this eleven-year-old is like very politically active. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, those libs. Um, <laughs> they move to San Francisco from Minnesota, and this kind of sets her emotions out of whack. Um, this is manifested by essentially her getting very upset about various things. She loses her favorite sport, hockey. She's lost her you know her friends uh there's tension with her family because her dad moved for his job mm-hmm. and essentially what happens is that inside of her brain all of these emotions that she's having are they're they're having trouble dealing with the situation and uh one 
bad event leads to the next. Um, eventually, she loses Hockey Island because uh, she goes to hockey practice and is unable to perform adequately because she's so upset about the move. Uh, her old best friend gets a new best friend who joins their old hockey team while so she loses friendship island and she becomes essentially depressed uh, because of this move, an 11-year-old girl. Um, and eventually she's about to lose friendship island, or sorry, her family island because she's about to run away from home. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's too much shit and she can't deal with it. And so she's about to lose, lose these islands. And these islands, as they like break down inside of her head, they are immediately represented in the way, like her behavior and everything. Like she, she, she becomes upset uh, and is unable to kind of perform these various things. Also worth noting throughout this entire quest, Joy, who's voiced by Amy, Amy Poehler, has been ejected from the headquarters inside the brain and is trying to get back to the headquarters, which is like manifesting in Riley's sadness. Eventually, what happens is through a wide variety of crazy events. Uh, she, um, Joy almost gets forgotten inside the depths of uh, the depths of Riley's brain. The, uh, the memory, memory dump. the memory dump, mm-hmm. and uh, but eventually, through the help of Riley's imaginary friend Bing Bong, who is a pink elephant cat dolphin creature, she's able to get back using the train of thought. This eventually leads to the restoration of Riley's happiness, which inside the story. Riley eventually tells her parents how she's feeling. She's very sad about the move and she misses things. And Pace, so it, you yes. misrepresented a very key point in this movie. Yeah. Please um, tell me. And it's that the train of thought actually doesn't make it back. Um, doesn't allow them to make it back. The train of thought actually crashes fairly early. It does. And the way that she gets back is by generating uh, several thousand imaginary boyfriends that all say at the same time, I would die for, would Riley, die for Riley and then uses them to make a gymnastic style uh, tower from one area of the long-term storage so that she can fall onto a trampoline, grab sadness out of the air. Who's riding around on a crying cloud and they can go back to headquarters and they smack against the outside of the headquarters building Disgust makes angry uh, anger so mad that fire shoots out of his brain, and they use it to weld a hole in the window so that the other two can crawl through. Yeah, that's how it actually ends. Yes, uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 I level of detail there was was beautifully done. I do also, um, if, if I could get a hand on that ball too, I do want to say that when jo- Pace, while Pace did correctly say that Joy is lost from headquarters, sadness is also lost with Joy the entire yes. time. Yep. Yes, which is important because. That's kind of a lesson throughout the film is that you don't just have a healthy emotional state from just happiness. You also have to have, you know, sadness and you have to be able to confront your emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, uh, it's going to lead to some pretty nasty things. Uh, I mean, this movie is it's fun and it does a good job. I guess personifying the emotions and it's, I mean, it's a Disney Pixar film, so mm-hmm. it's not exactly heavily based in science. It's not a science fiction film. This is a, this is a family film, a kid's film. I think we're going to be able to extract some things. It's a movie for children. It is. So we enjoyed it. <laughs> so we had a great time watching it. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually really liked it. I also, so I watched it with Sarah and we I look over at one point in the movie and both of our eyes are just like filled with tears. <laughs> like, There's oh a no. few sad moments yeah. in this film. Was it when Bing Bong got left behind and then disappeared into uh, nothingness? Yes, that was one of them. And then the second yep. one was when Riley like is crying to her family about how depressed she is. Yep. Yeah. I may have cried like a child while in bed when Bing Bong died. <laughs> So he was like, go save Riley. And then he faded into <laughs> Don't worry about I'm going to go to the moon. I'm oh, going to die anyway. Oh, God. There are some visceral moments in this film, especially for a kid's film. There were. It was also directed uh, by a guy named uh, Peter Doctor, who I'm really upset didn't also receive a PhD. I was, wait, re- um, I was reading that, and I was like, wait, yeah. is his last name Doctor? It's spelled it like E-R instead of O-R, but still. Doctor Doctor. I want him to be Doctor Doctor. He he is currently the uh, the chief creative o- creative officer of Pixar and is generally a pretty cool dude. So he can hang. He can hang. He, can he hang. also did Monsters Inc. and Up. And the girl who oh. was the inspiration for Riley 
was one of his kids, and I think she had a voice part in Up. Uh, Dude, if I remember correctly, Up was sad so. as shit too. There were some the sad moments in Up. Yeah, yeah. this guy, this guy pop. is all about the tear jerkers, you know. Yeah, he is. Monsters Inc. is sad. Um, yeah, Mike Wazowski. I mean, that's just a sad name, Mike Wazowski. Mike, old Mike Wazowski and his <laughs> weird dingus. So, I have a few random science tidbits that I want to bring up, and I want you guys to comment on them whenever you feel inclined. To. I think as the resident um, neuro psychologist you should Mm -hmm. you are definitely the most qualified to comment on the science of inside out so pace please let us hear your thoughts okay they're just going to be kind of scattered uh instances throughout the film that made me think of scientific things because that's good that's why, why we watched it yeah i mean this this film doesn't like do any deep dives into the intricacies of science um so the first thing that I thought was interesting uh, was that basically at the end of... So in, in the movie, memories are these colored orbs, yes. right? And they are associated with an emotion. There's these like yellow orbs for joy and blue ones for sadness and green for disgust and so yes. on. And so I thought it was interesting that at the end of each day, they they like flush down all the memories out into what they call long-term storage. Oh, I hope you're going with this where I think you are because it's awesome. As she's going to sleep. I mean, you should t- you should go there if I don't go there. But I mean, this is this is actually a pretty accurate representation of of how important sleep is for memory consolidation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you do need to get an adequate amount of sleep in order to kind of reinforce all the information that you sucked in throughout your day. Yeah, I really I really like it so, to. Uh, and, and maybe you'll get into this two pace, but it's it almost for me evoked this idea of Riley taking what is for the day functionally her working memory, um, mm. and then either rolling that back into long term storage to become explicit or implicit memories, like we've talked about on the podcast before, right. or to just dump it directly into something that she doesn't need anymore. And so, and then when she sleeps, she strengthens either of those two that are useful and then the other ones just get dumped off to the side and are no longer needed. That's right. That's exactly right. So yeah, I I actually thought, you know, that these were all just kind of subtle references to how neuroscience and biology works. So that one was actually pretty good. So I thought that was cool. These, uh, these orbs just kind of like made me think about in the future of the movie, you know, how they're going to actually represent science and like kind of started it all off for me. So I know in the past that we've talked about the different types of memory uh, and pace. Uh, you're, this is what you're a memory man master. So this is like what, you know, you're, you're going to be better at describing this, but I'm going to try anyway. Okay. Uh, so we have explicit memories, which are uh, events that happen to you, general facts, information, things like that. Yep. And then we have implicit memories, which are things like motor memories, basically like remembering Reflexes. how to write with a pencil or ride a bike, things like that. Yes. Um, an explicit memory is typically known as declarative memory. So there are things that you can say like, I remember that this, or I remember that I know this, whereas the implicit memories are normally non-declarative. So sort of meaning that like, yes, you know that you can write with a pen, but it's not something that you physically remember to do when you do it. Um, or they can also be things that are uh, things that you don't know you remember until something triggers that memory. Is that right, Yes. Pace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's a great way to describe it. So, like, cool. if you, like, heard a song or something and it evoked, like, a memory that you didn't really have in your mind, like a, like a vague feeling or I, a connection? I think, that, or? I, I think I would think of more of the declarative memories as sort of the facts, places, descriptions, things that you would actively recall and search for uh, whenever mm. you need to do it and you would initiate that. Uh, whereas the implicit memories are going to be things that you didn't necessarily know were there mm-hmm. and they're often triggered by some sort of stimulus. Uh, non-declarative are also known as procedural memory, correct? Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that I found interesting was there was a paper published in 2012 uh, in PLOS One by uh, well, the primary author is Ulrich voter holzer um but they did the man the man dr volder holzer they did an experiment to try and see whether or not sleep affects consolidation of different types of memories Mm -hmm. and they actually showed by giving uh, a bunch of adolescent participants 
either a bunch of word pairs to remember to and so in order to represent declarative memory so mm-hmm. remembering the act of saying these things together uh and then a finger tapping task which uh is supposed to represent procedural memory because it's supposed to be all muscle memory um right. at two different times of day and they found that you can actually uh encode procedural memory so the finger tapping task best right before sleep but declarative uh memories are best formed at about three in the afternoon Interesting. Yeah, and so if you didn't learn them at those times, they were less likely to be encoded during sleep than uh, if they were at those specific times. So what you're saying is morning people are living an inefficient life. Yes, you should do everything in the afternoon and at night and just sleep until 10. So... Because Deal. our favorite thing to do is draw all of our conclusions from a single study. I feel, yeah. <laughs> I feel like what it's also saying is that, like, the technique of, like, pulling one pulling all-nighters is not a good way to remember stuff. But also, nope. like, cramming stuff in late at night before, right before you go to sleep is probably not Ter- great either. Not, not the best idea. But, yeah. So, uh, what else we got? Pace, you get something else on the docket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, this is something. This is, I think this was arguably the coolest thing, like, science-wise, science reference-wise in the show. In the movie. So, at the beginning, Joy will sometimes try to pull up these old happy memories to make Riley feel better if she's mm-hmm. feeling sad. You know? And this manifests as, like, she pulls up this gold orb and she, like, puts it in this projector-looking thing. And it, like, plays the memory and makes her feel happy. But, in an instant, sadness attempts to go and touch the memory and permanently changes the memory into a sad one from a joyful one this forever alters the memory and instead of making riley feel happy about that event that memory makes her feel sad and so there's been a lot of evidence i don't have any specific papers pulled up because i'm a lazy lazy boy (laughs) but there is a lot of evidence to suggest that memories that we have and have created can be altered as the years go on and our perceptions about those memories have changed, our brains will fill in mm. details and yep. gaps about things that have happened in the past to fit the narrative that we are driving for that memory. We can alter our own memories and our memories actually aren't trustworthy, which is why most, uh, a lot of, you know. Witness testimony? Yeah, it's they're actually not that valid because... Uh, especially if it was a very traumatic experience, a very emotional experience. Uh, That's going to lead to our own manipulation of our memories. So that also I thought was super cool. And that just kind of simple thing of one of the emotions in the film changing how Riley remembers something is not far off from the truth at all. Very insightful. That is actually very cool. I did also like that like sadness could change the memories, but like joy and stuff could not necessarily change them back into happy memories yeah that's a good point like that's I, a really good point i don't know if that was because of like that particular memory is like her association should be sad and that's why like sadness is the only one who could affect it mm. like so they don't really go into that exploration but i think like I, it dri- does drive home the concept that the memories can be altered basically i think i think it also sets a precedent for how the movie treats memories contextually because the memory of something that made her happy in the past happened back in minnesota where she was from minnesota uh and she became sad when remembering those things because she's not there anymore and it wouldn't have made sense in the movie for her to be in the same damn place and all of a sudden those memories be happy again yeah right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i i honestly i think that the sean you brought up the the potential significance of sadness being able to do it i I think that just in this context it was more of just sadness was the emotion that riley needed to accept and cope with right yeah the the depression of moving but i mean i i think that i mean you could argue that the same thing might be the case you know for for anger um or i mean fear and disgust aren't as good of examples but i i think that one of the main themes of the movie is that this is something that I often have a struggle with and is a running joke with my, both my wife and my friends is that emotions are sometimes a thing you have to deal with mm-hmm. and a thing you have to actually experience, which is no fun at all. Well, I think if out of any of the other emotions, anger should have been able to turn uh, fear memories into anger. Um, 
That would make sense. Yeah, because fear leads to anger. And anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. I am the Senate. I have the high ground. <laughs> oh, geez. Magic is a science we don't understand yet. Killing younglings. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Well, episode three was good. Don't at me. Jesus, oh God. Jesus. Right, you and here. fucking <laughs> Russell Mellon can go hang out together. <sighs> episode one and two were shit. Episode three was good. All right, all right. Ru- okay. Quick aside. Russell in my lab, grad student, says that mm-hmm. episode three Crow? is his favorite Star Wars movie. No, no, what? not favorite. He Russell, says if you listen to our podcast, stop. He he did no, he doesn't yet. He's an he's literally asked me multiple times in lab, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like finished my podcast, like, what should I listen to? And I'm like, hey, dude, why don't you check out fucking real science cast? And he's yeah. like, oh well, yeah. you guys haven't done Point Break yet, so uh, I can't listen to Jesus it. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. But it's okay. We'll get him. We'll get him one day. I'm is Russell a transformer in his humanoid form? Is Russell in his regular form? Is a fucking Mitsubishi Eclipse? It's okay. His favorite movie is Transformers <laughs> 2. So no, what? <laughs> no, listen. I'm not going to sit here and bash Russell because I don't know how much of this Kenan's going to edit out. But none of it. Russell, come to my house. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> come oh. to my house. We're going to watch not a Michael Bay film. Yes, we'll watch something good. All right. Oh. Aside from all this narrow casting. Mm-hmm. I yeah. actually did a little bit of research. Ooh, lay it And it's not as much... It's really, I was surprised to find that this movie actually had multiple scientific consultants in the creation of the movie. So I came across an article, uh, and it's actually on the Pacific Standard. So this is a website that I just found by looking up some research about the movie. But uh, there's a sort of sit-down style interview titled A Conversation with the Psychologist Behind Inside Out. And... I will, I'm sure I will post this in the Facebook post for the episode. Um, oh, yeah, I bet you will. Yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely will. <laughs> definitely will. But because I'm not going to read the entire thing, obviously, but there are some like interesting points as to the, you know, direction and the accuracy of the science in Inside Out. Um, so they ask him a lot of questions like, you know, how'd you get involved? Like, what did the film get right? What did it get wrong? And how accurate is the depiction? But one of the interesting points that i thought was the interviewer asked um you know why did they pick these five emotions essentially like why did other emotions get left out and this was one of the sticking points that um they actually talked about was that all the scientific consultants were like well there are much more than five emotions and like they're all pretty important it's not like these are the five basic emotions and the other ones are like comprised of this but there are like a lot more complex emotions and obviously from like a film perspective the like director decided that yes i know there are a lot of emotions but it's just going to be too crazy to personify like 15 characters in there yeah they really wanted to focus on five so they sort of made like a story decision to forego some of the scientific accuracy of having an array of motions of emotions i just said motions but you know (laughs) i second that emotion and go with just five one of the interesting things i just wanted to say for michael pace in here they were saying one of the questions is out of these five do you think these were the most appropriate and um this is his response is um well i don't i think it's really complicated i quote how could you not talk about love and he actually (laughs) says that paul damn it but he also he says next sentence that Paul Ekman, the other consultant on the film, thinks that love is not an emotion, but I do. Oh. Um, and they really essentially go on talking about it's just interesting that you're looking at two scientists who have clearly studied together because um, this guy is the student of Paul Ekman. Um, yep. And they have clearly differing opinions on what constitutes an emotion and what does not constitute an emotion. And I specifically love that they're quote on love because I know a, a science, a scientist that, you know, makes a relatively popular podcast who has a similar opinion <laughs> on whether or not love is an emotion. And I just wanted him to know that he's not alone out there, apparently. I think I think this uh, particular scientist's argument is not necessarily that uh, love is not emotion. I think it's just that in general, love doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I want to say... Sean, thank you so much for thinking of me whenever you were doing this. 
I will. I have a couple things to say to that. Yeah, One sure. is that uh, the five emotions they picked. I the, I do. I will say that I've taken a couple. I've been required to take a couple introductory psychology courses, and um, one of the first things that we always were taught. And you know, this could be outdated, but the five emotions in this movie uh, are five of the most easily recognized emotions via facial expression mm-hmm. by other human beings. Right. Um, and I think that's probably why they chose them because they're because of that they're obviously easy to personify in the form of these little beings, right? Um, and so, and, and they're probably the most easily recognizable and, and most thought about. Um, so it was a natural course to take. Um, but I will agree that, I mean, a bunch of other emotions come to mind. The, I mean, I think that like envy could probably be classified as an emotion, uh, desire probably classified as emotion. And there's a, a few, uh, like there's others you could, you could mention, but those would be much harder to personify. So that's probably why they chose these for the for the. So I will the make video. the point too that, um, and uh, Sean mentioned Paul Ekman. So Paul Ekman is uh, a really interesting person who has worked on emotions as a, a, a for scientific study. A psych, he's a psychologist uh, who's uh, currently emeritus at the University of California, San Francisco. But he's worked on this for forty years or so. He was actually as Sean mentioned, a consultant for this film. Um, And when he had initially conducted his research, his findings led him to initially classify the emotions into six different emotions, basic ones. And that was anger, disgust, fear, happiness, or joy, sadness, there are five, and surprise. I'm assuming surprise would have been fucking boring or weird to to, to put into I this movie. Think surprise would have been fucking hilarious if there's just an emotion hiding behind a bookshelf all the time when they're doing shit, just popping out like oh, gotcha. Fucking, but that performed no other functions beyond that. It was just there to jump scare all of the other ones. Yeah. Here, here's the question though. Yeah. Who would be the voice actor for the surprise emotion? Justin McElroy as the Spookmaster General. <laughs> okay all right easy that works Uh, okay i would go with dane cook (laughs) dane cook yeah he's very shocking he's the waffler yeah he's shockingly awful (laughs) (laughs) no i i think he's surprisingly awful he's you know what I don't want to, you know, I think it's like a, an old-timey thing to rip on Dane Cook. We can't just sit here and rip on it Dane is, Cook. No, of course you can. It's 2019, he's, though. Can I still yeah, believe he, it? He's never stopped being low-hanging fruit. That's and true. And how brave of you to assume that I uh, won't just grab for that. <laughs> <laughs> he's also a Catholic, so there's also that, too. True. Wow. A lot of, okay, a lot of minds to, to hack <laughs> yeah. away at there. Pace, who would you have play surprise? And then we got to so, so this, I think it would be very, very good if Owen Wilson played the surprise actor. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> because he always, he always seems so, so shocked at things. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you can read minds? Wow. 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 So anyway, Paul Ekman. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. So he actually, and, and Sean, you mentioned, like you said, one of his students, uh, uh, Datcher Keltner. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Yeah, that's what, uh, yeah, Datcher. Two of his former students basically took this beyond that. So Ekman at one point said, oh, yeah, there are probably other universal emotions that exist beyond these. Um, I think he only spent his time looking in the scope of uh, the particular particular culture on which he was focused, which would have been, I don't know, the people you encounter in the U.S., but in other cultures, obviously, this will this would extend, right? And so yep. these students went on and they, they compiled a list of uh, universal emotions that include uh, that include about 36 or so, 40 or so different emotions just on a basic level. Um, but these all stem from the basic ones that we've talked about with a couple of other ones thrown in, like anticipation and uh, trust and things like that. And the idea is that sort of like a color wheel, you're able to combine these individual emotions in order to form other ones. So, for instance, trust and fear uh, can also be extensions of acceptance and apprehension. These could be combined into submission. Um, fear and surprise could be combined into awe. Uh, sadness and disgust could be remorse. Uh, if you consider the fact that there's some pensiveness in there, 
and just sort of things like that. And so it's kind of nice that you mentioned facial expressions early on because Paul Ekman was also very, very, very involved in kind of pioneering this field of what are known as micro expressions. Oh. So if any of you have ever heard that word before, at least some of you uh, know it because of the TV show Lie to Me. Have either of you guys seen the TV show? I, uh, I watched Michael? like the first half of the first season. I have never seen Lie to Me. It's not bad. Um, I, I It's not amazing. Tim Roth plays <laughs> uh, basically who is supposed to be Paul Ekman. He plays a guy named Dr. Lightman. And the idea is that he's a scientific advisor or he's a, uh, um, a human lie detector effectively who works for, I don't know, the fucking FBI or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea is oh, that he comes government. in. Huh? I just said for the government. For the government. So he comes in like guns blazing, pointing to people going, he's lying. She's sleeping with her. The point is, though, is that uh, Paul Ekman also serves as a scientific advisor for this. And although his work has been sort of criticized because he's taken this and transformed it into something that is intended to be useful for like the TSA and things like that. Uh, he purports this idea that people go through uncontrollable mic- micro expressions whenever they're feeling certain emotions. Uh, the best example that I can give of this and the reason why he started looking at this was that he recorded interviews with several people who were under uh, suicide watch and who had been outwardly diagnosed with depression but were denying thoughts of suicide or denying depression in order to leave the hospital because they didn't want to be there anymore. And some of these people then later committed suicide. They went back and watched the videos of these recordings and saw that each of the patients were having small twitches, movements on their face, things like that, what are now known as micro-expressions that were synonymous with people who are lying or synonymous with people who are in pain or people who are depressed or sad, etc. And what he was able to do is take these and then correlate them with other pronounced expressions of people who are feeling the same emotions. And he's tried to kind of build this into something as a working tool. Hmm. Again, this has been under a lot of heavy criticism because it is a technique that has been developed and like a quote program that has been developed with limited amounts of scientific trials or anything of that nature. So it's, I think a lot of scientists regard it as anecdotal. Um, But one thing that there is evidence for that it helps is to teach people with like Asperger's or varying uh, uh, degrees of autism on that spectrum uh, allows them to be better informed in a social setting of what other people are feeling, uh, which I thought was kind of neat. That's pretty awesome that like this idea, one of the people who first described basic human emotions is now applying this idea of micro expressions to something that helps people with autism understand how to function in social situations. That's pretty fucking cool. It's unbelievably cool. Um, it is very that, cool. Cannon. And Yeet. I, 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 the field of emotion <laughs> that slap is damn it. The, <laughs> the the damn it. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get concrete information about emotions is so hard because there's so much variability from the in, from individual to individual as to how one experiences emotion. The same thing is true for like why lie detectors also don't work. You mentioned this show lie to me like. The, a lie detector, as we know it, like the classical version of the lie detector, the machine, detects biological responses that are maybe sometimes associated with lying. But if someone's just feeling a little bit nervous about the situation that they're in, like in a fucking police station, mm-hmm. accused of something, yeah, they're going to be nervous. You know, and they might have the same biological responses as someone who's, who's lying, but along those same lines... There are limited ways in which we could universally define these emotions for that could apply to literally every human being, mm-hmm. you know. So that's why it's so hard, like, yeah. like, like, as you alluded to. And I think that's a lot of uh, a lot of the reason why some of this has come under scrutiny. And the other thing is, is that Paul Ekman has done a very good job of branding himself and selling these mm-hmm. ideas and tools as packages. And there's something very I, I, I know we skirt around this a lot of scientists, but one of the reasons academics are so skittish around industrial settings and things like this is because there's a level of dishonesty uh, that they think occurs of people stealing ideas and throwing mm-hmm. out things that are more bombastic than they actually are. And that's an entirely different argument that we could talk about in a whole podcast. But yeah, right. I think the idea is that 
when someone is able to market something like that, it comes off as dishonest or comes off as overinflating results that may not have been as thoroughly tested as they should have been. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fucking psychologist, so I can't comment on it. Yeah, I have literally no idea, but yeah. Yeah. All I can tell you is that some people are, have put it under scrutiny and some people say it's great, but you know, I wanted to say one more point that they do in the movie that I think you actually kind of alluded to Kenan. So they also talk about this in the interview, um, but the emotions of, uh, so Riley in the movie is 11 years old Mm -hmm. and there's apparently from what I've read, there's uh, differences in the emotional complexity between an 11 year old and an adult, which Mm. kind of makes sense. And in the movie, when we first see Riley in the beginning, all of her memories that are being recorded for the day have one specific emotion associated with the memory and they're very like this is a joyful memory this is a sad memory like this is a disgusting memory and by the end of the movie once like sadness is sort of affecting and changing other memories we see that like all these orbs of memories that are being represented in riley's mind have are multicolored like so they are essentially like they're not just basic emotions they are like the combination of feeling different emotions from the same setting and this sort of like actually i think based on like what the the interview with some of the scientific consultants seems to accurately represent her aging and becoming a little older because she's at sort of an age where she's supposed to be you know things are changing she's getting older and they even allude to in the movie that like she's about to reach the age of like puberty where you're going to have a lot of emotional trauma mm-hmm. even i guess i don't know how else yeah. to describe it confusion um so yeah i think that's another thing that they did a pretty good job of showing that even though there are these five base emotions that as riley gets older there are more complex ways to combine them so that what you're saying basically is that the older we get the more complex our emotions are and the more basic emotions are mixed into other types of emotions and it gets more complicated yeah, basically. I mean, that's what it seems like from what I read. But again, I'm not a psychologist like Michael Pace, so I wouldn't know. Well, that does make me feel better about the fact that I am uh, now about 29 and I have so many emotions that I can't handle fucking any of them. So. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a psychologist. I didn't study emotion because emotion's silly. You're a psychic. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I am, I'm a molecular and cellular neuroscientist, but what I will say is that the human brain doesn't finish developing fully until about age 25 in humans. So, Uh-oh. I mean, it. yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so if you did anything prior to age 25 that you think might have really, you know, fucked up with your brain development, you're probably going to have a terrible life forever. Nah, I dude, mean, drugs, drugs are for idiots. Oh, I didn't, what you, I didn't mention drugs. Stay in school. Yep. <laughs> tobacco is wacko if you're a teen. Did you just say tobacco is wacko? <laughs> Uh, we probably talked about the movie enough at this point. Got a little deep. Got some good science in. Um, threw some punches at Sean's lab mates. I was wondering if the, you guys... Oh, 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 holy shit. Holy crap, where did that come from? Oh, my God. It's like those ratings just came out of nowhere. Damn. Time for some ratings. 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 Who wants to go first? I want to go first. Go, Pace. Do it. Um, Shit. I'm going to give the, the science in the movie, I'm going to give it a... Yes. Two. Hmm. Um, not because... Huh. Not because huh. there was a lot of bad science, because there there wasn't much uh, at all to really go by here. So I didn't really know what else to do. I'm going to give it a two, but I was going to say there's an asterisk next to that in that the references to science were cool and insightful, but there wasn't a whole lot of science in the film. Um, entertainment, four out of five. Uh, I think it was, a, I think it's, I mean, it's a family, a family film. I think it was really well done. Yes. It's not too long. Thank God. Um, and it was, it was, it was heart wrenching at times. It was emotional and it was a trip. So I liked it. Okay. I'm going to go next. Here oh. it comes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. No, no, please. I insist. Do you... All right. Go, Sean? For the no, science no. of this movie, I'm also going to okay. give it. Okay, Yep. Jesus. <laughs> I'm also going to give it a two out of five. And okay. no asterisk for this because I think it actually 
they, one, they got a scientific consultant, which thank you very much, Dr. Doctor. I appreciate that. Everyone should do that for their <laughs> movies. I think they accurately represented, whether intentionally or not, I would believe that it was intentional, actually rep- uh, accurately represented a lot of principles in psychology sure. and in the field uh, intended to study emotion. Like you said, there's not a lot of science in the movie, but what does exist is pretty accurate. Um, the representation of the brain notwithstanding. I mean, I think beyond the fact that they represent these things in psychology, there's nothing else that is scientifically accurate about it. But I think they did a good job with what they had. As far as entertainment goes, I'm going to give it a... Fuck. (laughs) I guess I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. I really want to give it a 3 out of 5. But Bing Bong did make me cry. It was a and he, I'm an adult man. Bing Bong was the best part of the film. Tbh. Yeah, he was. Who's the man who makes you something? Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Bing, bing, bing Bong. Yep. He's got a <laughs> rocket. It's a wagon. Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Wanted to bring Riley to the moon. <clears throat> yep. He did. I would He's die for now. Riley. I would die, I would die for Riley. <laughs> I would die for Riley. <laughs> that was fucking funny. The writing of this movie is extremely good. It definitely it gets good. a four out of five. Hundred yeah, percent. All right. All right. Let me, your let me turn. Do my rating. Oh, I thought Go you were going to say, yes, okay, do you ready? You didn't let me. You're supposed to let me by giving me permission. Sean, please give us your rating. Please, okay, Jesus, okay. Sean. I'm going to give you the rating. Okay, for the science of the movie, I am going to give it a three out of five. Wow. Okay. And it's because, why, why is that? So even though there's not a lot of like science in the movie, I think that the foundation of the entire world and personification of the mind that they are setting up in the movie i think they actually did a pretty good job based on what i know about i guess emotions not not really that like (laughs) everything in the brain is scientifically accurate i'm not saying that i'm just saying that i think for the world they set up they took a lot of care and consideration to try and make their personification fit within the bounds of something that would be like scientifically accepted yeah it is a certainly a movie where if you were to investigate what they did even as a child what you would find is that the stuff that they put into the movie is scientifically accurate right that's and that's why i'm giving it a three out of five because like obviously there's not a lot of science to go off of in the movie so i'm trying to think on like on average i think like they obviously had to make some um creative cuts of science in order to better like uh, strengthen the plot and like the story but i think on average they did like a middle ground like three out of five job of making sure that the world they set up has some basis in scientific accuracy yeah I don't think you have to support it too much, Sean. I support you. Okay. This is good rating. Real, real quick, I just think they could have done a lot more with the islands. The islands were kind of... They, they were overly simplistic for me. I mean, it's a kid's movie. I get it. But, like, I think that was a, there was some untapped potential with the islands. I did want to um, little, live a little bit more on island time. I will agree with that. I, <laughs> yeah, dude. That Buffett time. Yes. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. I'm going right. to give the entertainment yeah. of the movie... I don't know. I really liked it, so... I'm going to give it at least a 4 out of 5. I was considering giving it a 5 out of 5 because I really, really like it. So just to spite Kenan, I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. You son of a bitch. Damn. You can't curse on a kid's movie, Kenan. I sure as frick can't. Oh. Yeah, see? Dude, you can't. Look. Gosh darn it. Frick. What the fudge? What the frack? Shut the front door, Kenan. Goldfish. Mr. Falcon. Butternut squash. Wait, Pace, you're not even... You're just saying items now. You're just saying chips and hummus. (laughs) Chips and hummus is really good. Curtis Ryan (laughs) DeGraw. Okay. Sweet. Let's do questions now. We have a couple good listener questions. Pace. Yes. Can you read the question you have first? Oh, we want to do this one first? Okay. I want to do yours first, please. We have a question from Matthew Licari, who is a friend of the podcast and also a patron. Thank you for your lovely, generous donation, Matt. Patronage. Um, for your patronage. Thank you for your Patreon, Matt. <laughs> Thank you for your Patreon. Thank you for your Patreonage. Uh, <laughs> pretend you have a similar character representation inside of you. 
who would play the voice actors and what new emotion character would be needed to be included. For Matt, he says, I feel like we should say what he's feeling here. This is good at, like, this is what he's looking for for us to answer this question. Joy, he has Andy Samberg. Sadness, Chris Farley. Anger, Whoopi Goldberg. Fear, Shia LaBeouf. Disgust, Tom Hanks. And the one he introduced as new is Pride. And that is Danny DeVito. Fuck. (laughs) Danny DeVito. (laughs) Fuck, this is a hard question. It is. Who wants to go first? I'm not even going to lie to the listeners. We just stopped the podcast for like fucking 10 minutes. (laughs) We just sat here thinking for 10 minutes. But all right, I've come up with my answers. All right, Sean, would you like to go first? Okay, I could do that. Okay. All right. Um, So for Joy... I have okay. Josh Gad, who... Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be pretty good. For those of you who don't know who Holy he is, shit, he does the voice of so Olaf in well. Frozen. Um, for Anger, I have Willem Dafoe. Ooh. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. For That's Fear, I have Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, interesting. <laughs> and I specifically picked Christopher Lloyd. Why? Because... He does the voice of Rasputin in the Disney film Anastasia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your greatest oh, fear. Geez. Which I used to be really afraid of when I was a kid. So Used to be is just a big pile of horse shit. I d- it used to be. All right. All right. For disgust, I have Snooky. <laughs> wow. You mean like the Snooky. The like Jersey Shore Snooky. I made sure that Kenna was taking a big gulp of water as soon as I said <laughs> I think oh I think I killed Kenan. Oh god. Damn! <laughs> and then, and then, Damn! <sighs> and then for sadness, I have Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty right. Good. Just cause, you know, he's a pretty sad guy. Alright. Well That's hold on, what about for your extra emotion, Sean? I didn't do an extra one. Okay, part of the question, this is an important part of the question, is and uh, what new emotion character would need to be included for you? I'd have Goofster. Goofy. I'd, no, I wouldn't be actually Goofy. It would be Goofy. <laughs> you would pick Goofy. Okay, I'd pick Goofy. Sure, I'd pick Goofy. For Goofball Island. I'd pick Goofball Island. Okay. All right, so, but I guess who would voice... Goofy? No, Goofy would voice No, it. no, no. It has to be a person. <laughs> It'd probably be like... I don't even know. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Some shit like that. That actually is pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I could totally see that. All right. That's pretty good. Pace. I like that answer. Do you wait? Kenan, you next? Pace next? Um, I, I can go. Okay, go for it. So, uh, for happiness, I have Ryan Reynolds. That's good. Um, wow, nice. It's a different kind of happiness, but it's a happiness that I identify with. For sad, sadness, I have David Schwimmer. Oh, that's Ooh. good. The Schwimster. Mm-hmm. Um, for anger, I have Alan Rickman. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, for disgust, I have Scarlett Johansson. Um, and I, I, that was more just like an intuition pick because... Mm-hmm. Just the the combination of her facial expressions and tone of voice is just it's uh, it's perfection. For that, for fear, I have Michael Sarah. God damn it! <laughs> you both Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks like uh, Michael Sarah's booked for bra- Pace's brain, Ken. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to cast um, That's fine, I had a backup. I have a backup. It's okay. Okay, okay. Uh, for the additional emotion that I had to add whether or not it's emotion, I had to add sarcasm. Uh, nice. And for that, I chose Matthew Perry. Nice. Oh, that's um, good. That's good. Look at you. So, Look at you, giving Matthew Perry work. He's the embodiment of sarcasm. He, he really is. So I, um, yeah. I did want to make a quick, my goofy personality would definitely be okay. voiced by Bill Murray. 100%. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. I like that. All right. Canon. I like that. Okay. So I, I cannot believe how much joy fits each of our individual characters. So I feel very good about uh, my joy pick. So joy for me is Chris Pratt. That's good. Oh, okay. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, I, my sadness uh, really fits in two places. It could be joy, but also sadness. But I picked Robin Williams for sadness. Um, oh. that, I actually, I debated that. 
Yeah, it did. That's and a good good one. Not what the man represented, but uh, it makes gives makes me feel a lot of melancholy. So. But he, you know, he played some really emotionally intense and melancholic roles at at times and knocked it out of the park. Like he's he had a he had a, a spread and he was definitely he was good for that. So my backup for fear is Jesse Eisenberg. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he and Michael Sarah are basically the same person. Basically so. the same. <laughs> uh, for disgust, I picked uh, Aubrey Plaza. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for anger, because I think he does a good job of like kind of uh, how I get angry, like when I'm mad, actually mad, it's as uh, uh, Javier Bardem. Um, and I'm specifically thinking of uh, in the movie No Country for Old Men, where he's just oh. kind of like just evil, like pure that is anger. Such a good Don't movie. make Kenan angry. I will such a good movie. Use a, a cow piston thing on you. Yeah, I was going to try and say you would do that, but then I couldn't know. I didn't know what it was fucking called. <laughs> you just put went a, for it anyways, though. Put a hole in your for Anyway, uh, and then, um, shit, we were supposed to do an extra person, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, extra so emotion. I do have the emotion wheel, uh, Plutchik's wheel of emotions up. I'm going to pick Optimism. And okay. I'm gonna pick John Hodgman. Oh, that's good. John I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Creative. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. All right, guys. I think that that was a, a fun exercise that we just that did. took yeah. all of the time that I wanted to devote to questions for this week. <laughs> and that's fair. But we do so. have another question. I will mention who sent it in, and we will answer it on our mailbag uh, episode. Yes. Uh, Gabriella, friend of the podcast, Gabriella sent us in a question um, about how the brain was represented in this and how we feel about that as scientists um, and sort of like how it portrays how emotions work. So we will answer that on our next episode, which will be a mailbag episode, which means we will need a shitload of questions from you guys about any movies that we have watched previously, any questions you want to ask us on a personal and weird level, especially Sean, um, or especially any- me basic science questions that we might be able to answer if you just want a creative spin on just maybe some of our really goofy goofy humor that good goofy movie humor if you want to ask pace about love you know feel free to if you you ask me about love love, we'll be here all fucking night (laughs) okay yes you're right if you want me to sing (laughs) eye to eye by powerline the famous song from the goofy movie i'll do it that would be pretty good let us know um if you want us to watch the goofy movie (laughs) then you become a patron on our patreon and suggest it as one of the options yes yes that's how you do that speaking of which if you would like to support us uh, and if you'd like to see the podcast grow and for us to add additional bonus content go to patreon.com look up the real science cast and there you will find our page where we have currently two tiers, I believe, of content. Uh, One of them is at $2 a month. You will be able to send in uh, three different podcast or movie suggestions. We will pick one of them and watch them and give you credit on the show. This episode brought to you by a friend of the podcast, Bartholomew Hoffman. The second tier is one that will unlock the minute that we can get, uh, we can reach a goal, and that will be uh, providing additional bonus content. So once we have updated our recording equipment, the plan is to start additional bonus content and release that to the patrons on a biweekly or monthly basis. Um, so go there, check us out, and then help us make the podcast better because we yep. put all of our money and time into this. We and do. that's about it. <laughs> we do. I put a lot of my own biological fluids into this podcast. Gross. That so, is yes. nice. A little gross. And gross. Yep. Yeah, that's how much I care. I don't put any fluids into it, but I do edit the podcast twice a month, and it takes quite a while. Do you do you uh, do you excrete sweat? Tears while you're doing it. Tears, tears, tears. Sweat. That makes more sense. Editing shit out like this. Um, if you want to check us out on Twitter or at Real Science Cast on, on Twitter or Real Science Cast at Gmail or on our Facebook where we can also be found as Real Science Cast, you can submit any questions you might have for us. Yes. And speaking of questions, please send us some. Yes, please. For our mailbag episode. I don't want to yeah. beg, but I'm begging you for your questions. Well, we already have it. We already have a decent amount, but we would like to have more to really flesh out the show. So I was going to say it's always better to have extra questions than not enough questions. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. For, for sure. sure. 
And we're hoping that if we can get enough questions, we can uh, stretch this out into two episodes, and that way we will not have a lull during the holiday. Yeah. Because I will edit both of those bad boys at the same time and release them in the middle of New Year's. Because we will likely not be recording over Christmas time, but if we get enough questions for uh, like a two-hour mailbag, we'll just split it into two episodes. So Sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. We got anything else, boys? Thanks to Otis McDonald for the use of his song Third Eye Blimp for the intro and outro to our show. It's a dope song, and it gets me pumped to listen to us. I hope Hell it does yeah. for you, too. I do love our good voices. Yes. Yeah. And I do want to say, again, thank you, everybody who listens to the show, especially people who donate to the show on our Patreon. Um, and if you haven't uh, and you really like the show, please, you know, just tell a friend, tell a family member. I know it's the holidays. People are spending a lot of time with their relatives and loved ones, and you know, maybe you need some alone time away from your family, and it's a perfect time to tell them to go listen to a podcast and leave you alone. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> just or if uh, you want, you could sure also you step into a room by yourself and listen to a podcast. Yeah, or you could sit in a room by yourself and listen to a podcast. Either way, but <laughs> I think it's better if you spread the word. True. Yep. I will say that I have recently turned a couple people onto our podcast, and I've gotten continued feedback, which we're always looking for, guys. So we do appreciate yes. it. And the most recent bout of feedback is that no one can tell the difference between me or Sean when we're talking. I have noticed that with podcasts, people really, really focus in on the identity of the speaker. Like, everyone yeah. really, really <laughs> is like, oh, I can't tell who this is or that is. It's like, you know, does it matter that much? Like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> no, like, I don't think it does. Like, Kedin, stop. Sean, stop, like, should I just say, like, Sean, colon, and then start talking or something? <laughs> Kenan, colon. At some point, we will probably, and I don't look forward to doing this, but I know we should, uh, make transcripts of all of our podcasts. Um, oh, boy. Of, episodes. of all um, of the episodes? Sure. I mean, we may have some deaf listeners that, you know, hear about it from friends, and they may want to, yep. may want to be able to read the good, good news. That goofs. is a good point. I just got to think of how to... Make Pace's disclaimers into tangible words. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but to be more like, we'll just have to doodle pictures on there or something. We'll be like, all right, picture Charts and graphs. Picture Pace now. Picture Pace melting into his microphone. <laughs> Real quick, uh, we have a new patron. Actually, we won't need to acknowledge, and that is Brett Light, friend of the podcast. Brett Light, friend of the podcast, uh, who has become a new patron. Brett, thank mm-hmm. you. And if we haven't already thanked friend of the podcast, Matthew Lacari, he just sent in his suggestions, and they were not movie suggestions. I will reread that email and figure out how the fuck we're going to handle that. Um, and I'd also like to thank uh, uh, friend of the podcast, Bartholomew Hoffman, one, for recommending this movie, but two, for also upping his uh, his uh, patron uh, amount. And uh, I don't know if it's because he wants us to succeed or if it's just because he wants bragging rights to be the person who gives the most to our podcast. But either way, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yes, thank you. Seriously, we really appreciate everybody. Yes, absolutely. It honestly keeps the fucking wheels turning. It does. Yep. So that's all we got, boys. I think it's time for us to sign off. My name is Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. Remember out there, everyone, be safe and do a good job. And you don't need good science to make a good movie. Get drunk, do better. But it but it sure makes it messier. Ooh. I don't like how you say that. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs>